Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the PowerMizzou.com live show. Appreciate you if you are joining us here live on YouTube. Gabe DeArmond and Drew King. Feel free to ask questions, make comments, uh, grandly compliment us, whatever you want to do in the comments. Please. Here, we, yeah, we will get to those. It is the dog days, the last week of the regular season. We're going to talk the stretch run and the postseason for Mizzou Hoops. Um, before we do that, always want to thank our friend James Carlton. I actually just talked to James on the radio yesterday in St. Louis. Uh, he is, so far as I know, not here live with us. But James, if you're here live with us, uh, pitch your insurance in the comments section and we'll make sure to uh, let everybody know about that. James Carlton State Farm. If your insurance costs a leg and an arm, call James Carlton State Farm. You can do that at 314-961-4800. You can find him on the web at carltoninsurance.net. He just wants a chance to offer you a deal and see if he can save you a little bit of money. If you get in touch with him and get a quote, tell him you heard about it on Power Mizzou. He's going to donate $20 to every True Tiger Foundation, Mizzou's NIL Collective. Uh, we also will have an announcement about that tomorrow morning on Power Mizzou for all of our subscribers. So if you are looking for a reason, if you just watch us on YouTube and you think, hey, those guys don't really irritate me, I don't hate them, maybe I'll check out what they have to say. Sign up tomorrow. We'll have a little, uh, little extra special deal for you. And Drew, I'm going to start this show with breaking news and special, uh, special information for you. You may know this. But okay. I just discovered in my 45 seconds of research for this show that you tomorrow night will get to see Red Panda live in person for a second. Oh time my gosh, that's exciting! Oh it's, man, yeah, I cannot wait. Oh, I'm I'm hyped now. See, like this, I, I was going into this thinking like, okay, um, it's LSU. You know, it's gonna be an okay game. The last one was kind of boring, but now, like, all bets are off. This one is I'm hyped now, yes. Gabe. As as a reward for going to the PMAC in Baton Rouge, Drew is going to get a second dose of Red Panda. Uh, I forget which game she was at Mizzou Arena for, but it was the best game of the year, whichever one it yes. was. So, uh, so yeah, uh, we will expect a full in-person report on Red Panda's doings. It's going to be tough for her to top her perfect performance at Mizzou Arena, though. I mean, Mizzou Arena or Mizzou is undefeated when she performs at halftime. So I think everybody here listening should be excited about it too. Yeah. To be fair, she also performed annually the last eight years, and they were far from undefeated in those appearances. <laughs> but you know, we'll uh, we'll see how it goes. Everybody's excited for Red Panda, but hey, everybody's excited for this basketball team too. Uh, based on what we are seeing in the comments and on the message board every day, and Drew like. Not the biggest two wins of the year since we did this show last time, but like all in all, maybe the most important week of the season to me from Missouri in the last seven days. Yeah, I think um, it's always good to sweep, right? Like, and when you lost to Auburn and Texas A&M, you got swept. So I thought the these past two games did a good job of making up for the two losses that you took um, against some pretty good teams. And, and I think it really helped the team get some of his confidence back. Um, they just look a lot better in these last two games, especially in the second half against Georgia there. Yeah, and I, I mean – Beat Mississippi State, which is obviously avoid the season sweep against them. Mississippi State, a, a bubble team right now, so that's a, a quality win. But 
most importantly, in that one, did it in a way that they hadn't really beaten anybody this year outside of UCF. I mean, in a in an ugly game that was under 60 in regulation. And look, I don't think that's something Missouri can do maybe regularly, but it's yeah. good to see that if they have to, they are capable of doing it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I, I'm pretty sure that was the Trago Million game. You, you really saw him. Mm-hmm. come back and break out of his shell, look healthy. Um, and he played a lot of minutes against Georgia too and was was pretty helpful there. And I think he actually started in the second half for them over Dre Golston. So um, Gates is starting to have a lot more trust in him as well. So, um, yeah, I, I think, you know, winning doesn't do anything but help Mizzou at this point, right? right? Um, or at any point really. But I, I think <laughs> – um this is this is the analysis they come for (laughs) no but you're right in that um you know i I think mississippi state they won a way they hadn't before georgia they did it kind of with kobe on the bench there in the second Mm -hmm. half and so um you're seeing the team being able to lean on its depth again a little bit uh, which i think is a really positive sign at this point of the season and look, keep losing teams losing is a big thing, right? Now, Georgia, Georgia is not awful. They were 13-2 and two at home, had beaten Kentucky, had beaten Florida. Like, they're decent at home. But they've been struggling lately. And I thought, really, I thought that game was over at halftime because everybody's freaking out. Missouri's down seven points. And I was texting a couple of my friends. At, it's 41-34 with 2.15 left in the first half. I said, just have a good last two minutes. You're going to be in a one possession game at halftime and you're fine. And that's exactly what happened. And then they come out of the locker room. And I thought once they got up a couple of possessions on Georgia, once that was like a five or six point game, you could just see Georgia go, we're playing for nothing. We got no real interest in trying to dig out of this hole. Yeah. Um, I, I brought this analogy up on the radio last week. I feel like Georgia is what Mizzou would have looked like if Kobe Brown decided not to stay and transfer somewhere else, because I think it's a bunch of yeah. pretty good role players from mid-major teams that transferred in there, um, and they just don't really have that star guy to anchor the team around. Um, and, and so it was kind of ironic because Kobe ended up not – playing that big of a factor in the second half. Um, right. But I, I think still, like, you, Georgia was coming off two really bad losses, um, and you know you have a pretty good feeling they're not going to win the SEC tournament. Their, their year's probably going to be <laughs> right. done when they get eliminated there. So, um, yeah, I, I think Mizzou um, had a lot more to play for in that one, mm-hmm. and that kind of made the difference. And the thing I like out of the last week, like I thought Kobe played pretty well in both games, uh, you know, had a couple turnovers in the first half against Georgia, but still they ran everything through him. And, and I thought he played pretty well in both games, but Nick honor has come alive again. Uh, mm-hmm. Noah Carter has played pretty well. The, these last, you know, the last game and a half or so Trey Gomillion, you mentioned, so you're starting to get back to where Missouri was earlier in the year where you go, there's multiple guys on this team now. Hey, now it's Sean East who's been kind of quiet. You want to get him going again. And everything has been pointed to these next couple of weeks. So it'll be interesting. Like, I'm not sure we've seen a time this year where everyone has been playing pretty well at the same time. So 
it feels like that's the next step. And and if they yeah. can do that, they could they could play for a while in March. Yeah. Um, and I, I thought, you know, Gates brought up that was a reason that Trago Million started in the second half was because Dre Golston, while Trey was out, um had kind of morphed into more of a facilitator, you know, because Trey's kind of the third on-ball guard, um, point guard for them. Um, and so with Trey back, Golston kind of needed to shift back into being a scorer mode and, and taking people off the dribble. And so he brought him off the bench in the second half, and I thought he played a lot better too. I, I thought that he, he had like six points on three of five shooting. That's what they need out of him is to have, you know, 10 or 12 points coming off the bench. And so – um, yeah, like and, and Aiden Shaw too. Aiden Shaw had a great mm-hmm. second half with Kobe on the bench and, and was locking people up. They really haven't had a guy like that since Ronnie DeGray got hurt. So um, you, you're seeing guys step up, um, and I, I think that it's good to have the easier part of the conference schedule as these last couple of games because you can really figure out um, what the team has left to do to kind of put it all together. Right. And that's, that is kind of an undersold part of this. And we've been talking about, Hey, the schedule gets lighter at the end, like a four game winning streak really at this point should be expected. Now I'm not saying it's impossible that they lose to LSU. I guess it's not impossible that they lose at home to Ole Miss, but they're playing two bad teams. I think they're combined five and 27 in, in SEC play. Um, Yeah. These should be two wins for Missouri and kind of leads into what I think will be the theme of the comments and the questions. Morgan wants to know what chance would you give Mizzou of getting the double buy in the SEC tournament? So I have spent a good amount of time the last four weeks on the SEC tournament scenario generator because it's just kind of fun <laughs> to pick different games fun. and be like, well, what if I change this one? What's that do? And Missouri can finish as high as third. Well, that is unlikely. And it can still, I found a scenario, finish as low as ninth, which is also unlikely. Oh, now, by going 2-0, and oh, I don't – maybe they could finish sixth, but I think realistically they're finishing a, at least fifth. But the path to fourth, the, the, the most basic path to fourth is pretty simple. Missouri has to go 2-0. and oh, and the winner of the Tennessee-Auburn game on Saturday needs to lose its midweek game. That is either Auburn versus Alabama or Tennessee at home against Arkansas. You would yeah. think Auburn at Alabama is a more likely loss. So the the easiest path to the double bye for Missouri is Alabama beats Auburn tomorrow night, and then Auburn beats Tennessee at Auburn on Saturday. Yeah, that would be probably the easiest path forward um but I there also are think, others that involve yeah. kentucky losing twice and you know yeah um the tennessee arkansas game makes me interested as well though because arkansas has kind of come back to life with nick smith healthy um so i i would have penciled in tennessee as um, a favorite in that one. I'm not sure that I am anymore. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that also makes things a little bit more interesting, but there's, um, it, it seems like the most likely scenario is, is Mizzou's going to end up fourth or fifth. Right. Um, yeah. So um, I would, you need 
some good teams to lose, which you can't always count on. So I would I would lean toward Mizzou more likely finishing fifth than fourth. But like you said, it's definitely not impossible that they end up getting one of the double buys. Right. But the good news is those good teams are playing other good teams, right? That's true. Tennessee and Auburn are not playing LSU and Ole Miss this week. They're playing uh, better opposition and uh, you know, I mean, if Arkansas could rise up and get Tennessee tomorrow night, assuming Alabama holds serve against Auburn, then Saturday doesn't matter other than Missouri has to beat Ole Miss. You know, I mean, they yeah. could go into Saturday controlling their and, – and ultimately, it doesn't really matter, right, fourth or fifth. Now, I think it probably matters if you want to have a shot to win the SEC tournament because – it's very rare. It has happened, but it is rare that a team that plays on on Wednesday or Thursday has won that tournament just because four games in four days, man, especially when you're playing at least a couple teams that didn't have to do that is pretty tough. The other thing is a lot of fans say, well, wouldn't it be better to get the five seed and pick up that extra win? Mm-hmm. Look, you're going to be playing like South Carolina it yeah. does, you know, like beating South Carolina is not any better than not playing at all. <laughs> exactly. I had somebody on the radio ask me last week, would it be better to to get the five seed um, and, and have the extra game just so that the team is in rhythm when it gets to the to the quarterfinals? And I was like, no, because if you play that quarterfinal game, it, it can only hurt you, right? right like right. if you if you're playing South Carolina and they beat you, um, you know that is gonna lower because you're gonna go lower in the seedings there, right? Mm-hmm. If you win, you're not gonna necessarily move up. So um, I, I think the buy is definitely the better route for Mizzou right. here. And it's also it's, it's just it's, forty more minutes of wear and tear. It's hey, look, every time you play, Somebody could turn an ankle or something. So the fewer games you can play leading up to the NCAA tournament, uh, the better it is. Todd wants to know, why aren't we ranked higher? Um, And look, I think it's a fair question. I mean, I look at some of the teams ranked ahead of Missouri and think, I feel like Missouri's had a better season. The truth of why they aren't ranked higher, I think, is because fans spend way more time thinking about this than the people voting. I think a lot of the people voting look at Ken Palm and the net and, I don't know. What'd you do last week? Well, if you were 24th and you went two and two, then you're just going to stay in the, or two and oh, then you're going to stay in the top 25. Like, I I just don't think there's all that much thought put into it. Yeah. um, I I think also, but like, even if you look at the net rankings, right. I I saw somebody ask on our board, why is Utah state, you know, 15 Mm -hmm. spots ahead of Mizzou. Um, And the answer is that a Mizzou has not played away from home very much this season. I think they have five, uh, road and neutral wins combined. Um, right. And then on top of that, um, you know, some of the quad three and four teams they beat really early in the season, like Southern Indiana and Penn, they only lost, they only won by single digit points. Right. And, and so the predictive metrics don't like it when you mm-hmm. only beat a team by narrow margins, even if, you know, Dennis Gates is just trying to throw out as many lineups out there as he can to figure out who can play well together. So um, I, I think that those are two factors in why you don't see Mizzou as high up in Ken Palm and net. Um, but uh, you also saw like they beat South Carolina by 
was it 10 points and, and moved down in the rankings so right. I, I don't completely understand how all of it works um but i i agree that I, I feel like they are a little bit lower than where i would personally put yeah. them. the the other thing i learned this long ago when rpi was the thing um and they don't use rpi anymore but i'm not convinced the net is significantly different from rpi it's it's kind of the same type of thing uh, somebody that that made schedules told me that the toughest part about making a schedule is, yeah, you, you're going to schedule like seven games against teams that you should absolutely beat. But the key is when you play that team from like the Northeastern Athletic Conference, mm-hmm. play the team that's going to finish like second in that league, not the yeah. one that's going to finish 10th. And Missouri's quad four games, a lot of them weren't just quad four games. Like they were really, really bad quad four games. They, they yeah. were teams that are like down in the three hundreds in some of these rankings, and so like theoretically beating a team that that finishes second in one of those leagues and is maybe ranked two hundred and ten is better than beating a team that finishes three hundred and thirtieth. Although really, there's not much difference. Correct. Um, I think Mississippi Valley State might be one of the teams you were referring to there. As yeah. one of the, um, they're, they're not great. They are not great. And they're not even great in conference play in the SWAC right now. So um, Mizzou didn't exactly follow the advice of, um, you know, the RPI guy you were talking to. Right. Um, but yeah, I, I think that from a but, but I think also we knew this was a risk of this schedule, yeah, right? Because absolutely. we looked at this schedule before the year and go, well, they got a decent chance to be nine and oh. And I'm like, we when they were nine and oh, we were sitting here going, I still don't really know if they're any good, but yeah. like it was the right move for this team and this program this year, even if it means maybe you're going to be an eight seed instead of a six seed, right? Absolutely. Um, but I, I also think there's still time for them to move up. Like you saw after the Georgia game, they won by 22 and moved up nine spots in the Ken Palm rankings, right? And that's a that's a pretty big move of the needle. I was not expecting them to have that kind of a jump um, considering the opponent that they were going up against. And so if they can keep doing that against um, the LSU and the Ole Misses of the conference, um, I think that you could see them really start to narrow the gulf between what their resume has been and what the predictive metrics think Mizzou is. And and like resume says they could be what a five seed probably. Yeah, they're, they're right now. Yeah. So okay. So it, it, the folly of this all is right. Like you've written already. You could hand, you could take 10 people and say, here are the 68 teams that are in the field seated. And you're Mm -hmm. going to get 10 different opinions, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, there's no way everybody's going to agree. So it's all an exercise and just uh, let's find something to do until selection Sunday. But I'm not asking you for a prediction of where Missouri will be seated. But like if somebody hands you that bracket and says, all right, fill it out. Where are you putting Missouri as of today? Like, wh- what do you think this team has earned seed-wise? I think as of right now, hmm, I might put them as a six seed because I, you you put out 
you, you tweeted earlier this week. I think they're one of five teams that have five quad one wins and are undefeated in quads two through four. Like, mm-hmm. and and the other four teams are all like ones and two seeds, um, or are going to be ones and two. Seeds. So I, I mean, I don't see why Missouri can't finish on the higher end of that spectrum because um, I, I think that what they've put out so far is really good. Um, and I, I think that they're definitely being held back because they're not blowing out Penn by 30 points like they're supposed to. They only beat them by single digits. So, um, But they still won that game is, is my point. So I, I think that if you look at what they've actually done um, rather than how dominant they were, um, I, I think that Mizzou is definitely like one of the top 25 teams in the country. Yeah, I I wanted there to be some disagreement, but that's what I, I was going to say. I'd probably have them as a six seed because, mm-hmm. and, and here's my argument, like for all the metrics and all the ways we have to, to say, I mean, the one I've never understood is, you know, going into a game like they have a 72% chance to win. I, I You can explain it to me why that is, and I still won't understand it. Yeah. I mean, how, how anybody would come, would arrive at that number, but to me, the analogy I've made, we're having the TCU Alabama argument all over again with Missouri in that, like, you can tell me, look, I think Alabama's a better team than TCU. Like, I think they have better players. I think if they played on a neutral field, Alabama would win nine times out of 10 and would blow them out six times out of 10. Yeah, And that's all well and good. But at some point, what has happened on the field has to matter. Because if what happens on the field didn't matter, then why did we even play games? Why have a season? Yep. What, so if what Missouri has done, look, maybe they haven't won by as much as they were supposed to. Maybe this analytic doesn't like them. That number doesn't favor them in a hypothetical matchup. But they are 21-8. and eight. They have beaten teams that are in this field, and they have not lost to anybody that has no chance to be in this field. So that tells me, Look, I I'd give them a six. Now I don't know if they'll get one, um, but but that is what I would do. Unfortunately for our viewers, um, Drew, I don't know about you. I am not on the selection committee this year. I am not either. Unfortunately, I I wonder if the Sun Belt Commissioner Keith Gill is still. I know he was the past two years. Um, okay, but it was it was kind of funny because. Um, he was on the committee and like the Sunbelt teams are still getting like a 16 seed. So I, I don't know that even if you're on the committee, you get that much sway. Well, and it, it used to be, and I don't know if it still is, but it used to be if you were on the committee, when teams in your league or when your school came up, you had to leave the room. Like you couldn't have a mm-hmm. part in like Greg Sankey could not seed Missouri. He can't be involved. In I got discussion. you. He would, he would have okay. to leave. I, I don't know if that's still the case, but um. Kyle wants to know if there's any chance to land the five-star visiting from North Carolina this week, and that is Jaron Stevenson. Um, he is a 2024 five-star. I think Missouri's best chance to land him is if he becomes a 2023 player, which there has been some talk that that might happen, that he might reclassify. Um, we, we haven't talked to Jaron. We'll try to after the visit this weekend. I haven't talked to him personally. I do know a couple people who have. Um, my understanding of it is he has a committable North Carolina offer and his mom played at North Carolina. He may not have a committable Duke offer. Um, getting a kid from North Carolina who has a committable North Carolina offer would be very difficult, but 
the first step to that is getting him on campus. And I think it's a pretty big deal that Missouri is managing to do that this weekend. Yeah. And he was supposed to come earlier in the season two, I believe. Yeah. And, um, ended, up canceling. ended up canceling it and maybe taking an unofficial to do something like that. Yeah. So um, I, I think it's a really good sign that they were able to get him to come back. And, and um, so I, for Mizzou, one thing I have noticed is they they are really trying to get a, another big man, um, especially with Kobe leaving either this year or next. So right. I know that he's probably pretty high on on their list of targets um, for either this next coming year or twenty twenty four. Yeah, uh, Jared requests that you post pictures of your dinner in Baton Rouge tomorrow. So Listen, folks, um, I. I know that that's a popular thing to do. I'll let everyone know out there. I am a really picky eater, so I don't think anyone's going to be very <laughs> impressed by what I get. <laughs> uh, Andrew wants to know if Red Panda gets a double buy. Look, random, Red Panda gets no buys. She works every single night somewhere. No. She will uh, She will be there for the 11-14 game in that game. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, Todd says all of a sudden we're debating on the board if Kobe Brown is an NBA player. Yeah, it'll. Here's where I've come down on this. NIL, Kobe Brown and his situation is why NIL exists. It's why mm -hmm. it, it's what I like about NIL. It is a kid who maybe has a shot to go play at that level, right? I, I mean, I think the odds will be against him, but the odds were against him to be the college player he is, and he's managed to yeah. do that. Um, but the the whole purpose of NIL should be to reward a kid who has produced on this level, on this stage. So if you can go to Kobe Brown and you can pool together enough money to say, look, we're going to get you $400,000 to come back here and be the face of this program. Like he's the most recognizable guy. That's the point of NIL, not throwing $250,000 at guys that have not produced on this level, be that football or basketball, be that transfers or high school players. I don't care. NIL should be rewarding the kids who do well here, not a signing bonus for a kid who has not ever done well here yet. But what we have found out is give college coaches a rule and they will find a way around it to make it a recruiting advantage. Um, that does appear to be the case in at some schools, definitely more than others. Um, I think no, in every but, school. Well, probably at every. School. I mean, I mean, look, I'm 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 pretty comfortable saying that th Missouri's three highest paid athletes for this year, prior to this year had never played a down or taken a shot at the University of Missouri. You know, like NIL to me should be, hey, Isaiah McGuire, you were an all-SEC dude last year. We're going to reward you for that. Kobe Brown, you were an all-SEC dude last year. We're going to reward you for that and hopefully get you to stay another year. That's not what it is, but that's what I think it should be. So it's interesting, too, because I know like right now there's not a uniform rule across the entire NCAA. So in, in Texas, right, um, I don't think that you're allowed to use like any school logo or, or anything like that. Like it has to be Same here. Like yeah. the athlete. Right. So um, 
you know, technically, like the schools aren't supposed to have any part in it, really. Um, and, and that's a change that might happen later on. But um, and I know there's the so, collective part of it, too. But go ahead. Gabe. Right. Well, so the law in Missouri was passed that the school can be involved now in setting up these deals and all that. So that's legal here, but they can't like wear Mizzou stuff, right? While okay. they're doing it. So, so obviously if we were to pay Kobe Brown to do a podcast, we would just be doing it because like, Hey, Kobe, that's a cool name, right? Not yeah. because he's Kobe Brown, Mizzou basketball player, just because like Kobe Brown, I just randomly want to get to know more about you on this Mizzou sports site. It's awesome. For sure. I, I think, you know, NIL has definitely been helpful to, I don't want to throw out that it's, it's only a recruiting advantage though. Like I, I know, especially at the mid-major level for um, even baseball players who rarely ever get a full ride scholarship, it's, it's really helpful for them to like host. Uh, I'm going to host the Tristan Dixon camp and show young kids how to pitch, you know? So it, it helps with paying bills in that respect. But yeah, I, I think NIL, is definitely helpful. It could be helpful in retaining players too, which um, with the transfer portal right now is, is a big part of recruiting as well is, is you have to recruit the players currently on your roster. So um, I think that Kobe definitely has a shot to stay, but I think Mizzou has to make it worth his while. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. So Cam uh, points out the flaw in what I was saying. RPI is completely different than net because RPI was strictly winning percentage of your team and your opponents and their opponents. Net is not reliant at all in winning. And I, I did read earlier today that net apparently does not factor in winning percentage, which oh. like at the risk of sounding like Charles Barkley calling the analytics people nerds and telling them to get out of sports, why do we put any stock in a metric that has nothing to do with how many games you win? Like that has to matter at some point, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I I don't know what all goes into that completely. And they've never actually published it. So we don't. Right. We really don't. Um, but. I mean, it, it obviously gets some things right. Like the most of the good teams oh, are yeah. at the top, right? And the bad teams are at the bottom. So it, I think winning has to count in some measure. <laughs> right. Like it has to matter at some point. Yeah. Um, I don't know how net does it without winning percentage um, other than like scoring margin, which I don't think it does. Um, so, yeah, I, I, it's a factor. I don't think it's the factor when it comes yeah. to deciding the seating of the tournament. Todd wants to know who on the team is the most interesting interview. Good question. I'll be honest. It's tough to tell because so many times like they're sitting next to Dennis Gates and either Dennis is answering for them or they're clearly very wary of coaches right here. I better not say anything too interesting. Yes. You know? <laughs> Definitely. Um, I'll say um, if you catch him on a good day, DeAndre Golston, I think, is, is a pretty good interview. Mm -hmm. um, I haven't gotten to talk to him yet, but I know that you have. CY seems like a pretty good interview. Oh, CY is phenomenal. Yeah. 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 Um, I don't know. Anybody else you can think of? Well, you don't really even interview CY. You're just like, so can you talk for a minute? And then like 12 minutes later, you ask him to keep talking. Um, 
I, you know, like I think Trey Gomillion could be good. Um, Sean East can be good. Again, it's just, yeah, it's tough. I'll be interested to see generally at the SEC tournament and at the NCAAs, it's open locker rooms, you know, and you just go in and it's a much more uh, relaxed, uncontrolled atmosphere. So it'll be interesting to see if, if that's the case or or if that's changed in the last few years. Uh, Magic Man wants to know Mizzou's chances of getting 7-1 Dennis Evans. Um, we won't say none. We will say very, very close to none from everything we hear. Uh, he decommitted from Minnesota already pretty much, I think, knowing where he was going in that not be Yeah. Yeah. So here's the interesting question. Whenever this thing ends, what are the chances Dennis Gates gets a raise after this season? So to me, that depends on if someone else is trying to hire him. Like, I, I wouldn't just go bid against myself. Nope, nope. I disagree with you, Gabe. Um, okay. I, I, I think that based on the season he's had, um, you have to give him that bump because just to preempt but, people from coming after him. But, I mean, it's year one. They gave him a 500% salary increase <laughs> last year. He's earning uh, a lot of from, incentives too, I bet. Well, yes, but – it doesn't hurt you to just say, Dent, it is a great job this year. We're going to add another two years onto your contract. Here's an extra however much money. Uh, it doesn't hurt you at all. To, to it, it doesn't hurt you now. But what if in two years he's gone sub five? Like, I'm not saying this is going to happen. But, like, I, I don't think we know yet that Dennis Gates is like going to be the best coach we've ever seen here. And so when it does hurt you is if you, you give him say two extra years and you give him extra 200 grand every year. So now when you get two years down the road, if you're looking at, uh Oh, well then it costs you an extra million or 2 million mm-hmm. to, to send him on down the road. And, and, and I know that nobody thinks that's going to happen right now. But I'm just saying, after Conzo Martin's first year, he had dug Missouri out of the absolute graveyard and had them in the NCAA tournament. And people were, I mean, if you said anything less than Conzo is God and invented the game of basketball, you were an idiot. And then three years later, people couldn't wait to to run him out of town. So unless there's some reason, unless Texas or somebody is calling about him. It's that, that I, I just am concern. not sure I would mess with it because I, I, Dennis Gates is already getting some blue blood attention, right? Like he's on these coaching watch lists after one season at Mizzou. Um, so uh, to me, like I'm, I'm trying to hold everything off for as long as I can, because you know that they're going to come after him if it works out. I mean, I guess I, I guess the benefit is if you do give him a raise, if you do kind of give him a, a couple more years, then it costs another school more to get him um, yeah. if, if they want to get him. But I, I just, I don't know. I, I don't see a world in where I think Dennis Gates is questioning Missouri's commitment to him. No, I, I don't think it's necessarily a, a question of commitment. I think it's just... Um, uh, 
more a show of appreciation. Like I know he'll probably get a bonus for making uh, the NCAA tournament and, and a bonus for potentially winning SEC coach of the year. But um, I'll be honest, I, from what I've seen covering Texas state and it, it's obviously a mid-major level, but coaches shared that bonus money with the rest of the staff who, yeah. who aren't getting the same kind of compensation. And so um, that's more what the bonus money is for. So if you want to show Dennis Gates your appreciation, I think you got to give him a little bit of a pay bump. That's fair. Um, look, and, and I'm not going to like pitch a fit if they give him, I mean, he's earned it. He's, he's had a really good year. You know, this isn't a 50% raise for six and seven. I don't have a huge right. issue with it. Not that that's happened before at Missouri. I'm just I'm just throwing out hypotheticals. Um, but, you know, uh, we'll see where it goes. Uh, okay, so it took a while, but what's going on with Mosley? Will he play again this season? Look, I'm going to keep this real short. If I had to guess, I'd say no. Uh, I agree. Uh, and Dennis does not appear to want to tell us. So Right. Um, I'm done asking about it, whatever. Yeah. If he plays, he does. And if he doesn't, he doesn't. <laughs> Pretty much that's that's where we're at. So uh, LSU, tomorrow night, Ole Miss Saturday. Like, I'd be surprised at, at anything less than 2-0, and wouldn't you? Yeah, I'd be pretty shocked, to be honest. Yeah. So now we're getting to the fun time. Uh, you know, we'll have uh, Red Panda tomorrow night, Senior Day Saturday. Uh, NCAA, or I'm sorry, SEC tournament starting, we'll see either Thursday or Friday for Missouri, then it'll be selection Sunday and off to some locale to, uh, to follow the NCAA tournament. So all good things, uh, Drew enjoy Baton Rouge tomorrow. And, uh, we will, uh, we'll look forward to, uh, seeing pictures of the unicycle and your dinner tomorrow evening. (laughs) I'll try to live up to the hype. This is going to be tough. All right, Drew King uh, joining us, and and we're going to let him roll. I want to remind you guys on the way out the door that all of these shows, and and we're going to do these after every postseason game. Uh, So every time Missouri plays in the SEC tournament, I'm going to make Drew uh, do a little extra work and join me. And then every time they play in the NCAA tournament, we're going to do something. So, uh, So we're not done with these shows, but... All year long, they have been made possible by our friend James Carlton at James Carlton State Farm in Webster Groves, Missouri. If you're in the state of Missouri or Illinois, you have a question about your insurance. Hey, can I save a little money? Get in touch with jamescarltoninsurance.net, 314-961-4800. If your insurance costs a leg and an arm, James Carlton State Farm. And of course, if you tell him, if you get a quote from him and you tell him you heard about it on Power Mizzou, he's going to donate $20 to Mizzou's NIL efforts. So appreciate you guys joining us. If you watched live, hit the like button, hit the subscribe button on the way out the door. If you're listening on the podcast, say nice things, leave us a good review. Keep reading, keep watching. Thanks, guys.